Church History Matters, Episode 34. History Matters. My name is Joseph Knowles. And I am Ruben Rosales. And what are we doing this evening? We are going to review the quiz that we yes. did. Well, that you did. Yes. Well, you were there in spirit, yeah. so we'll, yeah. just, we'll go with we. It was a collective uh, effort. And to talk about founders, I guess a little bit, because I'm going to ask you some questions. Oh, ah, okay, great. Look forward to it. Good. All right, so... But first... That is what is on the agenda, yes. But first, this week in church history. <laughs> All right, so um, this is an event that took place on February 16th, 1977. So that's maybe a little bit more recent than a lot of our uh, events in church history that we talk about. But on that date, these words were spoken. Do not be afraid. I see God's hand in this. Hmm. So a pretty general statement, but they were sure. they were spoken by the Archbishop Giannani Lewum, and I hope I got that pronunciation at least close, uh, but he was the Archbishop of the Church of Uganda in East Africa. So it borders Tanzania and I believe Kenya to the north and east. But yeah, it's there in East Africa, and if you know anything about Uganda in the 1970s, which I knew very, very little but you might recognize the name Idi Amin. Wow. Yes. So yeah. he was the uh, president, in air quotes, of of <clears throat> Tanzania, or excuse me, of Uganda from 1971 to 1979. He took over in a military coup. Right. Um, but really, during those during that decade, operated one of the most brutal dictatorships in modern history by far. Um, is characterized by almost random or just arbitrary killings of people based on tribal affiliation. Um, people would be disappeared. He made a movie about that, didn't he? Yes, he has been the subject of, a, of at least one movie that I know of, yeah. Um, so just a brutal dictatorship. Um, but during that time from 1974 until 1977, this man, Janani Lewum, was the Archbishop of the Church of Uganda, which is a church... That is in the Anglican Communion. Okay. Um, so they'd be somewhat linked with the Church of England in that tradition. Right. And he, you know, he stood up to Idi Amin, and uh, as much as you could. Right. In that, in that, uh, in that environment, there was one thing that he said because at first he was accused of being too favorable toward Amin's dictatorship. Hmm. Um, he said, "I face daily being picked up by the soldiers." While the opportunity is there, I preach the gospel with all my might, and my conscience is clear before God that I have not sided with the present government, which is utterly self-seeking. I have been threatened many times. Whenever I have the opportunity, I have told the president things the churches disapprove of. So here's a man who is, you know, he's taking, he, he realizes to oppose the dictator is to risk his own life. Right. And yet he stands up and says, you must not do these things. That's like uh, John the Baptist. Very much in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. And basically the same result. Get that, John the Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> not. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So those words that I read you at the start of the segment, don't be afraid. I see God in this. Yeah. Those words were spoken as he was being taken away from a 
trial again, air quotes. Right. Um, they had brought him and two other um, Christian cabinet ministers, along with some other bishops of the Church of Uganda, basically into a stadium that was filled with uh, soldiers. And there the president accused him of treason, mm. of smuggling arms in to help rebel groups. And basically then Idi Amin says, what should we do with these traitors? And the, the soldiers start to yell, kill them, kill them. So these were the last words that he was heard to speak to his fellow bishops before wow. they were, they were, they didn't, they didn't kill them on the spot. They said, okay, you can go. And they put him in a car with some soldiers. And uh, the official government story was that one of them tried to take control of the vehicle mm. and crashed the vehicle and everybody was killed. Um, so they quickly grabbed the bodies, sealed them up in a coffin and carted them off somewhere else to be buried. Well, the, the village people were not satisfied with that explanation. They dug up the coffin and found that the bully, the bodies had been riddled with bullets. Oh, so as yeah, it was apparent that they were executed, yeah, um, including the Archbishop uh, uh, Lewum, who uh, you know died then on February 16th uh, or 17th, 1977, <clears throat> but died for his faith, right and is considered a martyr by the Church of Uganda, uh, as well as a number of other denominations. And I think, you know, rightly so. Right. So I think that's, I, I was, I, I, I was glad to, not glad to learn about this, but it was uh, providential yeah. that I learned about this Absolutely. at this time, because I think it, it dovetails well with Absolutely. the topic of the conference and the topic of the quiz. I was, uh, I'm reading um, uh, The Pilgrim's Progress right now. And, you know, just disclaimer, I can't officially say I'm reading it. I'm listening to it <laughs> just because it pains me to say that. Um, but I just got to the part where Christian and Hopeful have come across um, Mr. Bayan mm -hmm. and um, this other fellow, like, uh, I can't remember his name, but essentially he's like, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fit to be, you know, as long as the, the, the current is going the same way, I'll go with the current. And so when it be, mm -hmm. when it suits me, mm -hmm. I'll I'll do I'll do these good things and and but when it doesn't suit me, I won't do it. It's like that's my religion, and I think that God wants to bless me. And I'm like, man, that's prosperity gospel yeah. all the way. Yeah. But it, those people could never do what this yeah. bishop did. No, no way. Yeah. So that was uh, February sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven, forty five years ago. Wow. This <clears throat> week in church history. All right. So what was the theme of the conference that you went to, Founders Conference. Well, let me start this. And we're trying something new. We're, we're going to do, and probably I'll edit some of this. It'll make more editing for me, but that's all right. All right. Um, and we're going to do a live Twitter space. So if uh, you might be hearing this on the podcast or you'll get the later parts on Twitter, I guess. So. I don't even know what a Twitter space is, man, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see if uh, I need to unmute myself. There we go. Okay. So we are live on our very first Twitter space, hopefully, and it says share. So we're going to tweet that out and see if somebody listens. And if not, that's all right. We're just, we're, we're doing what we normally do. <laughs> um, so yes, the National Founders Conference and the theme of that was the church militant and triumphant. So it was on the, the broad topic of ecclesiology, I guess you yeah. could say, but particular aspects of that. So we're not talking about 
church government, but what is the church and how are we supposed to live in this world? Right. And what are we looking forward to was the theme of theme of the messages. Sounds kind of uh sounds kind of terroristic. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Militant? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's as opposed to being passive. Mm. Um I think the idea there is that there are there is a commission that we've been given as yeah. the church and you can't sit on your hands and just wait for it to happen. Now, well you can. Jesus <laughs> will build his church. Christ will build his Absolutely. church. Um and yeah, you could, you can. You have the ability to sit on your hands. Uh but at, at that point, you're not being obedient. Right. <laughs> Right, and neither will you see yourself as triumphant either, right? So, right, uh, church militant triumphant. I think is really it was an interesting theme, mm-hmm. and I think a timely one, which I'm sure yeah. that was on purpose. Yes, um, they were supposed to have a guest speaker from Canada yes. who was unable to get get across the border. Right, um, so they had to kind of make some changes. Right, on the cuff, and that guy knocked Man. it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did very well. Oh my goodness. No, I'm not going to remember his name. No. Nope. Yeah, I can't remember his name. It won't either. come to me at all. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he was pinch hitting for uh, James Coates. Yeah. Who was, and I still don't have all the details on that. What, I don't what they either. told us at the time was he was on his way and he was turned away at the border. Right. Which I believe is a restriction of the Canadian government mm. keeping their citizens inside the country for their own safety. Right. Which is. Yes, and then the the subject of his first talk was uh, had to do with totalitarianism. <laughs> so it was uh, nice. That was also providential that he didn't get to give the talk on totalitarianism wow. because his own government would not let him leave the country. Yeah, yeah, and there's that. Yeah, there's a whole thing going on up there right now. Yeah. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, a hundred years from now, somebody will be doing a podcast on all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful around. time to be alive, man. It is a wonderful time to be <laughs> yes, alive. Yes, it is. This is uh, history that's uh, going on right around, uh, right now, all around us. Um, and so, speaking of history, let's uh, talk about the uh, the quiz that we had. I actually, the quiz was from. Uh, I I I wrote the quiz. Yes, I wrote the question quiz. Uh, questions of the quiz. So that's another reason that I say we did the quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything uh, that was in the quiz I got from a book that is available by Canon Press or from Canon Press called Trial and Triumph, which I thought fit well with the theme of oh, yeah. of the, the conference. Absolutely. And so I dug in and looked at some uh, wonderful saints, learned about some incredible saints, even one, you know, uh, a woman who was an incredible saint who suffered tremendously for the name of Christ. Um, so that was really good. Came up with five questions, yep. and how how did how did they do? Um, it it kind of ran the gamut. So we yeah. had some people who did well. We had one person who got a one hundred percent A plus. So congratulations to Scott. You can you can pat yourself on the back, Scott. And we're gonna give him. We're gonna we're gonna credit that to his longstanding Baptist tradition that exactly. he came out of. Exactly. That really equipped him to understand. One hundred percent. I doubt yeah. he will hear this, but yeah. he would he would be glad to know that we. <laughs> We attributed his success to that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening to us on the Twitter space, you won't get to hear the audio of the people who took the quiz because we're doing it on my phone and that's where all the recordings are. So 
I'm not that. I've got I'm it. not that. Oh, you have them. Okay. I have them. You well, sent them to me. We will give it a try then. We'll see how it sounds. I we'll don't see know. how it sounds. Yeah. Uh, the work have to. We'll see. We'll do it. We'll do it for the Twitter space. There people. you go. All right. Let me turn up my volume here. We'll and if you listen later <clears> on the <throat> podcast, you will get probably a little bit better audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So here we go. This is the first fellow. Daniel Long, and I live in Virginia. Uh, I'm Caden, and I'm from Washington State. I'm from Garrett. And I'm You're from, from Garrett. I'm, I am Garrett. <laughs> and I'm from West Virginia. <laughs> I'm David from West Virginia. And I'm Shane from West Virginia. Say your name. Say, Say your where name. you're at. My name's Chad, and I'm from West Virginia also. Excellent. Scott, and I am from the great country of Florida. Question number one. Which martyr of the early church said the following in response to being told he was going to be burned at the stake? You threatened me with fire that burns for a little while and goes out, but you are ignorant of the fire of eternal punishment which is prepared for the ungodly. Why do you wait? Come and do what you want with me. Was it A, Ignatius, B, Polycarp, C, Justin Martyr, or D, Irenaeus? Oh, man. Between two of them. Uh, Try Ignatius. I have no idea. I'm just going to pick. I'm going to pick D. I'm just going to take a total guess here. I only know the second one. And go with A. You go with A? I'm going to B. B? Same. B? Yeah. I'm going with A. Polycarp. It was Polycarp. I was a little bit uh, curious about how you pronounce that. Um, I've heard Irenaeus. Yeah, I've heard both, too. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm sure there, I know there is probably A correct Pronunciation. We'll blame it on being American. And there you go. Yeah. We right. talk English. That's all. <laughs> That's right. So this was Polycarp. My one of my favorite stories from yeah. church history. Oh yeah. The man was old. Yes. And he died. Mm-hmm. And uh, faithful to the end. Right. So. Um, I think, and I was. I think I told you this later. I think we've had a question about Polycarp on all of the quizzes that we've done. Or <laughs> <laughs> So if you see us coming, yeah. know that one of the questions is it probably might be about Polycarp. Polycarp. Yeah. <laughs> Bishop of Smyrna. Yes. What about these other guys? Uh, I wrote like a line or two. Yeah, no, that's good. I think there's... there's Just a, a little bit because some of the answers you could eliminate. Like, oh, I know it wasn't that guy. Right. Um, Ignatius was martyred, uh, as far as we know, probably during the reign of the emperor Trajan. Um, but he is uh, known as the Bishop of Antioch. So he's yeah. living in the first and second centuries. Uh, yeah, so one of the early church fathers also. Right. And uh, to be honest, there was a couple of these that I was just like, man, I need to go find some people in the same time period. And then mm-hmm. there were some that were completely out of the ballpark, yeah, like yeah. not even close. You can eliminate those. Yeah. But these were all relatively close together. Justin Martyr, of course, it, it's from his name that we get the word martyr. or. Yeah. Uh, I, that's he. Not, that's why he was. That's why he was Justin called Mark. Justin Martyr. Yeah, me. I misspoke. Um, but yeah, some of his writings still survive. He's living from around AD 100 to 162 or 168. So he was also yeah. martyred right around the same time that Polycarp was. So he he writes the first apology, which was directed to the emperor himself as a defense of Christianity. He wanted all of that smoke. Yes, um, but he got into a dispute with a, another philosopher there in Rome. And uh, was put to death under the reign, or during the reign of Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, so there's a lot of folks that really like that guy. Right. And, yeah, as a philosopher, I mean. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't a good dude, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most philosophers aren't. Yeah, um, unfortunately. 
Um, and then what about Irenaeus? Irenaeus, born around A.D. 130, 130 uh, died in the year 202 uh, in, in Polycarp's hometown of Smyrna. Mm-hmm. He's well known for his work against heresies, uh, which was primarily a defense of Christianity against Gnosticism and Marcionite heresy. He became the Bishop of Lyon in Gaul, which is now France. Uh, but the circumstances of his death are not known for sure, so no clear indication that he was martyred. He also had some interesting views on, wait, was it him or, I don't know if it was Irenaeus or Ignatius. Uh, one of them had, you know, had stated views of mm-hmm. Mary. That was a little bit weird. Yes. And I don't remember off the top of my head which one that was either. Yeah, I can't remember. I, see, this would have been a perfect time for TJ to be here because yeah, he, would he just read ah. one of those. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. He could tell us. No, it was this guy. <laughs> All yeah. right. And then, of course, Polycarp, uh, the only one who, or the last uh, disciple of, known disciple of an apostle. Right, yes. He was, an, he was a disciple of the apostle John, a student of his. Uh, he lived from 69 A.D. to approximately 155 mm-hmm. A.D. There's only one surviving work that is attributed to Polycarp, and it is his Epistle to the Philippians, right. written in the 130s or 140s, which is referred to by Irenaeus. There you go. Yeah. Look at all those guys citing each other. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. And Eusebius, who I think we did an episode on him before, didn't we? Yes, that is our interview with uh, uh, Pastor Jeff Riddle. Yeah. Pastor Dr. Jeff Riddle. Pastor Doctor. <laughs> Pastor Dr. <Doctor>, Reverend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eusebius dates the martyrdom of Polycarp to the reign of Marcus Aurelius. Yep. Man, that guy. Right. <clears throat> Which I think uh, gives a little bit of earlier date. So that's they're trying to date when he was actually martyred, and I think that uh, with the Eusebius dating, makes it a little more, it makes the timeline make a little bit more sense. That would given that he would have been a a student of the Apostle John. Yeah, means if you know about when John died, then you know about when Polycarp could have been sitting under his right tutelage. There's your word of the day calendar, (laughs) rather than a later date. Right, so it, it we're we're not too far. We're only about a uh, a week away from having that as a right this week in church history. Yeah, yeah. And but, I looked at that. And it was like, ah, it's close. It's <laughs> ah, so about a week off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Polycarp was recorded to have said the quote from the quiz question before being burned and pierced with a spear for refusing to burn incense to the emperor. Um, he also said, "I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of the martyrs." I may share the cup of Christ. That's an interesting. We're going through the book of Colossians mm-hmm. right now, and Colossians right. one twenty four yeah. is an interesting verse. And it's kind of it, when I read that, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of that verse. Um, I'll let I'll let the listeners go look it up. Yeah, but uh, you can read some commentaries to figure out what what you think Paul is talking about specifically in that passage. Good stuff. All right, second question. Try number two. This 4th century bishop fought countless battles against heretical teachings in the church and was cast into exile five times by enemies within the church, during which time he lived in the deserts of Egypt and even in his father's tomb. Was it A, Gregory of Nazianzus, B, Origen, C, Jerome, or D, Athanasius? Athanasius. Jerome. So I'm trying to place where Origen is in my historical mood here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A? Yeah, you, what, you could be again. I'm going to go with D. D? I'm going to go with Athanasius. I'm not sure about him. Athanasius. 
the fourth century bishop, this fourth century bishop fought countless battles against heretical teachings in the church and was cast into exile five times by enemies within the church. During this exile, during his exile, he spent time living in the deserts of Egypt and even his own father's tomb. Options are A. Gregory of Nazianzus, or B. Origen, Origen uh, C. Jerome, D. Athanasius. That one seemed like that would have been easy. I don't know how many people got it. Obviously, we know I think our, a few. Yeah, Scott, Scott definitely got it. Scott I think one it. of the West Virginia boys got three of them right. Yes, <clears throat> but yeah, the, I think the 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 biggest clue there was uh, the being exiled five times. Yeah. So yeah, he's my boy. I like I like yeah. him. So what about? I mean, let's go through the other. I, the way I set this up in our notes is to go through the wrong choices and tell you. A little bit about them before we yeah, get to the so right one. What, what's up with Gregory of Nazi? Yes. Anzus. Gregory of Nazianzus. So he did live in the fourth century. So if you knew that he was around that time, that might have tripped you up. Um, but he was from a region of what's now uh, modern Turkey. So in the eastern part of the modern nation of Turkey. Um, he eventually would go on to become the Archbishop of Constantinople, which, I mean, still in the Orthodox Church is like... Yeah. That's the primate. That's like the top. He's like the Pope of the Eastern Orthodox yeah. Church, basically, um, except he's called the Patriarch. Um, That's he, a good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is um, really considered instrumental in restoring a Nicene Orthodoxy. So mm. referring there in Constantinople. So right. that's referring to the uh, doctrines that were agreed upon at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Yeah. So not directed and commanded by Constantine. What? <laughs> I mean, he was involved in the calling of it, but he wasn't like he wasn't calling the shots. Let's clear that up. That's up. like saying that the 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 folks uh, of England, the king and the people in England were the responsible for the Westminster Confession. Right. It's uh, like, well, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. It's, I mean, it's in a lot of ways it's similar. And then they changed it. Not, yeah. But we're not going to. We're, we're talking about Gregory Rancian right, 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 right now. Um, but yeah, so the two big heresies that he was fighting against at the time were Arianism, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more when we get down to Athanasius, but then also Apollinarianism, which is maybe a little bit less familiar. Which both of these are Christological heresies. Yes, both Christological her heresies. Uh, Apollinarianism, Apollinarianism, I think I said that right. Um, and this is according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, which. On a lot of these early church heresies actually have pretty good definitions. They're yeah. succinct and reliable. Yeah. So that's why I cite that. But it's a Christological theory according to which Christ had a human body and a human sensitive soul, but no human rational mind. Mm. The divine logos taking the place of this last. Right. So uh, I guess what they were trying to do is to, to preserve the unity of the divine. Right. Right, the divine mind can't yep. be right. So that in 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 these heretics' minds, they were they were doing the right. Right. But um, no, we we would say that because whatever part of Christ was not human mm -hmm. could not be redeemed in us. Right. And so, therefore, out of necessity, we say no. Christ did have yeah. um, human body, soul, and a rational mind. Right. Exactly. So. He's responding to that. Um, let's see. Option 
B was Origen. Origen. Now he lives in the late second and early third century, so he's a little bit too early for to be the fourth century bishop that we're referring to. Um, he was he spent a lot of time, or probably the first half of his career, in Alexandria. So, was he a bishop? Um, I don't believe he ever became a bishop. Yeah, yeah. so that should be have been easy. That. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so he was a little too early. Uh, he was associated with Egypt, mm-hmm. so that might have been a a, a, a clue there. Um, he's got a lot of his writing has actually been preserved. So if you want to read up on Origen, oh yeah, that's that's easy to do. It's on my wish list. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I've been wanting to get that. But the the problem about writing a lot is that sometimes you get a lot wrong, and he got a lot wrong, and was condemned by one of the early church councils um, yeah. for for a lot of his for some of the doctrines, but too much to get into um, in the short time we have here. But according to Eusebius, Origen was tortured and imprisoned during the persecution of Decius. So it's one of the last uh, big persecutions, uh, but eventually was <coughs> released and, and died about a year later. Let's and see. C, Jerome yes. lived uh, approximately from 342 to about 420 AD, mm-hmm. uh, lived in the 4th and 5th centuries, born in a village that is now the modern country of Slovenia or Croatia. Yeah. The exact location is uncertain. Somewhere over there. Somewhere over there in, one of the East, in the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best known for producing a Latin translation of the entire Bible known as the Vulgate. Yes. Uh, the Latin Vulgate or Latin Vulgate, uh, whichever way you prefer to pronounce that. You could do the Latin. I don't know that what the Latin translation would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can guarantee you it didn't have any an X at the end of any of the no <laughs> the feminine or masculine no, stuff. No, it did not. Yeah. What else? Uh, in the Council of Trent, the Vulgate was declared authoritative in public lectures, disputations, sermons, and expositions. Authoritative. Yep. What does that mean? That's the that is the it's acceptable. Tra- yeah, it's acceptable, and that's the one that we're going to go to. Yeah. So yeah. it was like the King James before the King James. It was the Catholic King James for a long, I mean, for it was. Uh, a thousand Ten, years. Well, yeah, since just last century. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, and eventually the Catholic Church did translate the Bible into um, into other languages, but that was one of the controversies of the Reformation. It was still in use at the time. Right. People don't read Latin, but the Bible was in Latin. It's all good, according to the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All uh, right. And then our right answer, answer yes. Athanasius. Yes. Athanasius Contramundum. Correct. He was born in 296, approximately, and uh, between 296 and 298, uh, died on the 2nd of May in three in the year 373. And he was actually born to a Christian family in Alexandria, and they were well-to-do enough. That Privileged. They, <laughs> <laughs> when he was a 21st century word, sure. Um, they were able to send him to just to get a, you know, better than average education. You mean they didn't homeschool him? That's the best education. Well, you know, there are only so many options in Alexandria in the fourth century. I guess you're right. Yeah, now, he was also involved in the leadership of the Alexandrian Church from the early from an early age. Probably ordained as a deacon in 319, so he was young, young man. Yeah. Well, I guess not a young man in that time. He he'd been a man for ten years by the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, yeah, and he did work it. I mean, he went up up the ladder pretty quickly and yeah. became the, the patriarch of Alexandria in uh, around 328. Wow. Um, so that was still a, a very important 
church position. Alexandria was considered a, um, you know, one of the churches that people would look to. And that's how he became to be so involved in the Arian controversy, which was, a, that was probably the biggest deal of the, the fourth century, the 300s. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about, I'm sure we've talked about Arianism before, but maybe just as a review for people, like what, what is the substance of that well, teaching? Uh, I think the most important part of it is that uh, good old St. Nick karate chopped <laughs> Arian in the face. Uh, no, so the, the Arian controversy is, is the Arians are alive and well today. Correct. Uh, they're most well known as the Jehovah's Witness. Right. Uh, which claim that Jesus, uh, there was a time when Christ was not. Right. And uh, and that is heresy. Right. And it, it pushes you outside of Christian orthodoxy and out of the kingdom. Right. So uh, this was what a lot of people were debating. There was a lot of people that were teaching that. And so the church rightly saw that it was an error that needed to be combated mm-hmm. uh, with strength and with unity. And mm-hmm. so they gathered together to uh, have this council. Yes. So the first council of Nicaea in 325 that we referred to before. And that, I mean, they did other things, but that's probably the most uh, well-remembered one, at least. Yes. Maybe, I mean, there and, are others that were probably equally important. And for those that are, you know, conscience is grieved, um, St. Nick did apologize for yes he said should i he really repented. should not have done that he repented i think he should have done it no, but, <laughs> um, i'll just say let's just say it would make um it would make a lot more ecclesia ecclesiological meetings a lot more interesting no <laughs> definitely yes if you knew that could happen yeah so that but that's also part of what led to athanasius being exactly it was it was so contentious yeah um but it was also very political Mm. Uh, because you did, I mean, I kind of made light of Constantine's involvement in yeah. the calling of the council. Um, he he wasn't a fan of Constantine, was he? I don't. Athanasius. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember reading about that specifically. But that, I mean, Constantine died within a few years after that, maybe five, the five or ten years after the council. Yeah. So they, they kind of went back and forth, where you'd have an emperor who was, yes, Nicaea, good. And then you'd have one who'd come along and say, actually, Arius wasn't all bad, and I kind of like him. That's right, and they reinstituted. Right. So then they would say, no, if you're not teaching what Arius taught, then you're out of here, buddy. And so that's what happened to Athanasius, basically, and led to his being exiled five times. He didn't change. Right. (laughs) It was the Roman emperor that changed his position. And and so we have two creeds uh, that we could talk to. No, Athanasius wasn't directly responsible for the Athanasian creed, but... Mm -hmm. um, it's called the Athanasian Creed, right? And it's a wonderful creed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of long, longer yeah, than the other long. ones. Yeah. Uh, and the Nicene Creed is the other one which we yes. recite somewhat regularly. Yes. Just this past week. Yeah. At church. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. good. All right. Question number three. Uh, number three. Which fifth-century Christian was captured and enslaved by a foreign nation, to which he later returned as a missionary, and where he fought in slavery? Was it A. Ambrose, B. Patrick? C. Augustine or D. Gregory the Great? Ambrose? B. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go with A. Okay. You know, have, have one out of five, right? We have one for A. Okay. B. B. Patrick? Okay. Ambrose. Okay, another for Ambrose? I think I'll go with Ambrose. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's either Patrick or Ambrose. Um... Patrick. 
It was Patrick. Yeah, St. Patrick. Three for three. All right, number he four. He also got rid of all the snakes. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did. Right. <laughs> Question number three. You, you get this one. All right. Question number three. Which fifth century Christian was captured and enslaved by a foreign nation to which he later returned as a missionary and where he fought to end slavery? Uh, yeah, see, this is how we know if this is like, have you listened to our episode? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the choices were A, Ambrose, B, Patrick, C, Augustine or Augustine. If Dr. Sproul is, I know he's not listening for himself, <laughs> but he taught me that. Um, and then D, Gregory the Great. And of course, yes, if you listen to the episode on the three patron states of Ireland, then you know that that is the story of story in brief of uh, Patrick, who was kidnapped from his homeland in the west of England, or what's now England, and taken to Ireland where he was held in slavery and bondage. Uh, escaped, but then later returned. No, that can't be right. He's white. White people aren't <laughs> slaves. This guy was. Well, he's he was. No, he wasn't Irish. He was. He wasn't. Pictish he was Irish. or something. Yeah. I don't know. So yes, that's the correct choice. How so? You know what could have narrowed it down, or what would have thrown you off the scent? So we've got Ambrose um, was the first fourth choice century. there. Yes. Yep, so he's close. Close. Yeah. But um, I don't know if he ever was uh, a slave. I don't think so. Yeah, so he uh, became uh, Bishop of Milan in the 370s. He was also known as a hymn writer, as well as for being instrumental in the conversion of Augustine. Yep. So he was kind of, he was there in Milan, and that was, uh, I believe that is where Augustine was converted. Hmm. Or it was, it played a it played a significant role in his conversion. Right. Like he might have been back in Africa. Right. So then uh, second option, or the other one was Augustine, another option, which is uh, he was lived from 354 to 430. Uh, so this would have been uh, around, would, the, around the right time. time. Yeah. Um, but he was born in Hippo in the northern country of Algeria in North Africa. And he has a very famous conversion story. Uh, it's hugely influential. Uh, too many important works to list. Uh, yes. I don't believe he ever was also a slave either. So. No. And lastly, the other choice, the other incorrect choice, mm -hmm. was uh, Gregory the Great. So he lived from around the year 540 until March 12th of the year 604. So we've got a very specific date of his death. Um, but you would know him as Pope Gregory the First. Um, John Calvin would write in the Institutes of Christian Religion that he was the last good pope. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a, I remember studying him whenever I was, uh, went through, I was uh, taking a class on church history and we talk about him and what he did and how these um, men came down um, and were just destroying everything, right? And so I want to read this little bit. It's a small little excerpt from, um, <clears throat> from Trial and Triumph. Says late in the sixth century, a bald monk with bright eyes and a narrow, slightly crooked nose wound through the bustling open-air market of Rome. Without a glance at the merchandise, ignoring vendors' calls, this monk, Gregory, hurried to the slave market, eager to see the newly arrived, unusual-looking captives. Making his way through the throng, he saw some slave boys who were fair-skinned. That means white, and light-haired with some with handsome features. From what part of the world do they come? Gregory asked the slave trader. They come from the island of Britain, he was told, hmm. where all the people look like this. Are the islanders of Brit 
Of Britain, Christians or pagans? Gregory asked. Pagans, the slave trader answered. Alas, groaned Gregory with a deep sigh. How sad that such bright-faced folk are still in the grasp of the author of darkness mm. and that such graceful features conceal minds of empty, minds empty of God's grace. Gregory looked long into the eyes of these poor boys and asked, What race of people do they belong to? They are called Angles, the trader said. Not Angles, but angels, Gregory said with a mm. smile, for they have angelic faces, and it is right that they should become joint heirs of heaven with the angels. And what is the name of their king? Gregory asked. Al, he was told. Alleluia, Gregory cried, <laughs> thrusting his arms heavenward. God's praise must be heard there. So he was uh, very, very, had a heart for the lost. Uh, he acted when the country was being invaded to help preserve and protect and actually went and confronted those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they believe... Uh, they say he saved Rome yeah. so, from being destroyed. Right. So he was, I think he was, I think I would agree with John Calvin. Yeah. But, you know, he was a pretty smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. alas, that was not a right answer, so. No. Yeah, the correct answer, of course, is Patrick. Come on, and, Patrick. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to know, I mean, we don't we do not do a full episode on the life of Patrick. He's one of three that we yeah, talked he about. Was, we probably talked about him more at than least, the others. Yeah, at least half of the episode yeah. was mostly the him. So there's a good bit there. So if yeah. you want more on that, um, go and check that out. Check that episode out, and we'll leave that in the show notes page. Yeah. All right. Question, on question number, number four. four. Uh, number four. This Christian king in the Middle Ages in England was called the Great, and is known for having shown mercy to the Viking invaders who ransacked most of his kingdom. After which, many of them converted to Christianity. Is it? Was it A. Richard? B. Edward, C. Alfred, or D. William? Is it Edward? What was the last one? Uh, William. Is it Edward? Uh, it was Edward. No, no, it was, um, read him again? Sorry. Uh, Richard, Edward, Alfred, or William? Alfred. Well, I'm going to go with D because William the Great seems to have rolled off the okay. a little better. Okay, all right. Than, uh, than you got one for William. I'm going to go C. C, Alfred, okay. I want to say I've heard Alfred the Great before. Okay, so you go with C. I'm going to go along with Alfred because you could ask my wife that question. She's into English history. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have no clue. Yeah. It, <laughs> things I've overheard from her conversations. <laughs> mm. Hey, the, however you can learn it. It was Alfred the Great. Wow, See, yes. man, look at you, Garrett. You're rolling, man. Yeah. Uh, this Christian king from the Middle Ages in England was called the Great and is known for having shown great mercy to Viking invaders who ransacked most of his kingdom, after which many of them converted to Christianity. Mm. And with this one, you just get the first names. Yeah. <laughs> and you're supposed to figure out which one you would uh, stick tech, uh, the Great onto. Uh, so their choices are Richard, Edward, Alfred, or William. Um, and the tricky part is that all of those were names, names of kings, kings <laughs> in England. Yeah. So you had to you had to kind of know a little bit of English history. Uh, there have been a few Richards who were kings of England, at least three. Um, Richard the Lion. Richard the First is the one yeah. probably most people would think of. Richard the First, uh, the Lionheart. Um, but he was a little too busy crusading. 
uh, to be very worried about Viking invaders, and yeah. most of those invaders were invasions were over for good uh, long before he came to the throne. So right. was not Richard the first. Uh, was not Edward. Again, there have been eight Edwards yeah. <laughs> down through the 20th century. And that would have been a good guess. That would have been a good guess. <laughs> um, and there was there was at least I guess there were three or four Edwards who would have wow. fit in that Middle Ages. Yeah. Um, but none of them has been known to history as the great, even though some of them did great things. Sure. Um, William, is, it was not William. Again, there's no great William, although there was William the Conqueror, which some people might have guessed that one. Um, and he lived during the Middle Ages. And remember the Norman Conquest from 1066. Um, but no, it was not William. It was Alfred. Um, Alfred the Great. He actually began as King of Wessex, which was one of several kingdoms that made up what is now modern England. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of regarded as the first <clears throat> like king of a united England yeah. who kind of brought those kingdoms together. And one of the ways that he uh, uh, did that was by fending off these Viking invasions that were happening at that yeah. time. Yeah, and so they it actually is pretty amazing. Uh, you could read the whole story. Like I said, it's in the uh, Trial and Triumph book, but it's really pretty. I was impressed with his, the the amount of restraint that he showed, mm. and he had the ability to end these guys, and he right. didn't. He instead showed them mercy and compassion, and, and because of that, they just you know were in awe. They couldn't right. understand it. Yeah. Um, Mercy and restraint to the Vikings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These are guys who are not exactly known for their own ability to exercise restraint when they're in a foreign country. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's Alfred the Great. Uh, That was question number four. And I think Scott might have been the only one to get that. Um, I think he was, yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I had never heard of Alfred the Great until I read about him. Yeah. So. There's actually... A, there's now a school, a classical school in England that is called the Alfred the Great Christian School. Nice. Um, classical Christian School. I'd have to look it up. But, uh, yeah, they're a, a mutual follow on Twitter, but they're doing good stuff over there. Sweet. Um, question five. And last one. This one's kind of a two-parter. Um, this is a late 12th century French merchant-turned-preacher who has been called a proto-Protestant. He's known for selling all he had to give to the needy. When his followers were persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church, they were forbidden to preach and translate the scriptures, and their reply was, we must obey God rather than men. Who was he, and what were his followers called? Was it A, John Wycliffe and Cliffords, B, Anselm and the Brutons, C, Bernard of Clairvaux and the Clairvoyants, or D, Peter Waldo and the Waldensians? C. What were the first two? Uh, it was A, John Wycliffe and Clifford's, B, Anselm and Brutus. Was it A? Um, it was Waldo. This time I'm going with A. Okay, we got Same. one for A. Same. A. <laughs> I don't want A. Can you repeat A and B? A was John Wycliffe and the Clifford's. And you said what was the other one? D. D, Peter Waldo and the Waldensians. I like that. Okay, so Wycliffe, Wycliffe was Wycliffe that many years before the Reformation? Mm. That's the question. 
it's probably wrong because that of that particular aspect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember Wycliffe being that far 300 back. years before the Reformation. I mean, I could be wrong. I've been wrong on the other four. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got one, didn't you? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to go with D because. I don't really have any idea. Okay. It was D, Peter Waldo and the Waldensians. Oh, nice. This late 12th century French merchant turned preacher has been called a proto-Protestant and is known for selling all that he had to give to the needy. His followers were persecuted violently by the Roman Catholic Church and they were forbidden many times to preach and translate the scriptures to which they replied, We must obey God rather than men. Who was he, and what were his followers called? A. John Wycliffe and the Cliffords B. Anselm and the Brutons C. Bernard of Clairvaux, Clairvaux mm-hmm. and the Clairvoyants uh, D. Peter Waldo and the Waldensians yeah. And just so you all know, I completely made up all the all the other <laughs> the wrong answer ones. Like, those aren't real. So. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like C would have been... A little obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Clairvaux and clairvoyance. Yeah, I was, I was You're, it was a reaching. Reach. It, it was, was a, a big reach. But hey, me, but it's all right. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, the correct answer is Peter Waldo and, and the Waldensians. Um, and we'll get to him at the end. But, yeah, let's walk through these uh, incorrect answers. So uh, the first of the incorrect pairs was John Wycliffe, and you came up with the Cliffords. Cliffords. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I mean, it's pl- it sounds plausible. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, like, I'm imagining, like, a big red dog, though. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> so who was John Wycliffe, and uh, what were his followers actually oh, called? Oh, Wycliffe, Wycliffe. Uh, oh. Uh, I don't, uh, you don't remember? I don't remember. It's in the notes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so he lived in England uh, from, thir- he lived, uh, from per- 1328 to... Approximately 13 to 1384, uh, he and his followers were persecuted in part because of his work in translating the Bible into English. Uh, his followers were called the Lollards. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Wycliffe himself was a priest and seminary professor, not a merchant. Yeah. And uh, there is an episode on the history of the English Bible in which we, we briefly discuss briefly. him yeah, because he was the predecessor to Tyndale. Right. Who accomplished a lot. Yeah. So he's coming... Uh, you know, a good more than a century before the the Reformation kicks off, and yeah. sometimes is referred to as the Morning Star of the Reformation. Yeah, yeah. But his his followers were called Lollards. Lollards, yeah. Um, I think partly because of the way that they would, it was making fun of how they talked. Really. Um, like they were la 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 la. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like, uh, I don't know. They had. 14th, That's how barbarians came about. Right. A very similar thing, yeah. I, if I remember correctly. Okay. That is definitely how barbarians came apart, came came along, um, or maybe I'm mixing that up. I'll have to go back and check that. Yeah. So, uh, um, anybody who's listening on the Twitter space will get to hear my mess up, and uh, and I'll fix it. I'll fix it in post. Yeah. Um. So, what was the the second wrong second choice was, was Anselm. Yeah. Uh, Anselm was Italian by birth, lived mostly in the 11th century. I was a monk, an abbot, and later Archbishop of Canterbury uh, from 1093 until his death in 1109. Mm-hmm. He advocated for the interest of the church during the time of the investiture controversy. Yes. And uh, I don't believe he had any followers that were known. Not that I know of, yeah. yeah. So just, just pick Brutons out yeah, of the just, air. I had, yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from. The idea it was just like, mm. yeah, I don't think any of his followers were named. Yeah. Um, just, and if anybody is not familiar with the investiture controversy, um, just very briefly, that was, uh, at the time the, uh, the, well, I mean, in particular the Holy Roman emperor, but also other Kings would be, um, given their, given their office, so to speak, or put into power crowned by the Pope or the Bishop, as you might, you know, as the case might be. And the question became like, who is actually doing who actually has authority to do what to whom in that situation so it was a struggle mm-hmm. between the church and the state to say who's crowning whom and who gets power from who and they kind of forgot about every get but it gets power from god and yeah all you guys are just uh ministers anyway interesting all right uh c the most creative of the wrong answers <laughs> bernard of clairvaux born in burgundy now part of france and became a benedictine monk a few years after he joined a monastery, he was sent to found the Clairvaux Abbey, hence the name. <laughs> uh, his preaching would be part of the impetus behind the Second Crusade. Mm-hmm. Several of his hymns are still sung today, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, and students of literature might remember that he is Dante's final guide in the Divine Comedy. But his followers were not called clairvoyants. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been called Benedictines because they were all yeah. monks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked about the First Crusade yeah, an episode we... long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. Uh, but yeah, we didn't get as far as the Second Crusade, so maybe we'll have to go go back and, and pick that up and we can talk a little bit more about yeah, Bernard be of Clairvaux. But lastly, the correct answer of this 12th century merchant who gave up everything he had uh, to give to the needy. So how did, how did I get I to know, like how did Brother Ottavio know to send me a a letter, a, a, a paper that he wrote on Peter Waldo and the Waldensians. But right now, I I don't know. Yeah. I, I think we did, when we talked with uh, Otavio last two summers, two summers ago. Yeah. I think it had come up briefly, the, okay. Wald, the Waldenses or the Waldensians. Okay. Uh, because, as I put in her notes, they're still around uh, in, in little pockets in Italy. Um, they have, you know, they were they were persecuted, but they were not totally eradicated uh, by the Roman Catholic Church. Hmm. So for Peter Waldo, a lot of the details of his early life are not really known for sure. Um, He's definitely believed to have been a merchant from Lyon in France, like we talked about. (laughs) Yeah, Lyon. And he, he, you know, he did come under conviction and he gave away all of his possessions. Which he had a lot. He did have a lot. He had a lot of possessions. Yes. But (laughs) um, unfortunately, um, he abandoned his wife, although he gave some of his wealth to her for her support. But he left his family. To be fair, Jesus says, whoever leaves. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, he probably was definitely thinking of that verse in particular, that passage. Like, he was talking to the rich young ruler, sell all you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. He's like, I got my instructions. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not willing, he to understood leave the father, assignment, right? <laughs> um, so he, his his wife gets you know some support. His daughters go to a convent, so it's not like they were left destitute. They were just left without husband and father. So I mean that sounds bad, and it is. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we also we I mean one of the most revered Christian books of all time, other than the the scriptures, is um, the Pilgrim's Progress. Right. He does the right. exact same thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Allegorically. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's 
it's an over, it's an overcorrection, sure, but it's kind of it's an overcorrection in the right direction. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like he he probably he went overboard. I think we can safely say that. Yeah. But he was headed in the right direction. Yeah. He just overshot. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he he gained a lot of followers who then came to be known as Waldensians or Waldenses, and they were spread throughout France and Spain. And like the question alluded to, they came under uh, heavy persecution. What were their beliefs? Like why? Like, yeah, I mean it's I believe it's it's important, right? So he he got he believed in living on faith mm-hmm. and trust that God was going to provide everything right. that he needed. Yeah. And so a lot of his followers kind of really took that in mm-hmm. and, and tried to live the same way. Um, it's interesting that they were they were persecuted, though, as, as heavily as they were. Right. While you're looking for that, there's, there is some further reading that we can recommend <coughs> because they are often regarded by some Baptist groups as being in the line of Baptist heritage that goes back to John the Baptist. And there's lots of historical problems with some of that but i mean it's 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 one that some people have come to in in good faith uh, i mean even even spurgeon kind of was dancing around the landmark uh landmark baptist type type stuff in his time so they're i mean they're often regarded <laughs> as like a proto protestant group they came before the protestant reformation and there's some of their their beliefs that they had that um look like they line up with the protestant reformation but uh, to say that they were a forerunner, that they were involved in it, I think the that historical case is not quite there. But you can read more about it in a, a book called um, Heirs of the Reformation by James McGoldrick. That's mm. available from Founders Press and is excellent. And But it walks through that whole, all those groups that are yeah. claimed to be forerunners of the Baptists and says either they were or they were not. And most right. of them were heretics. <laughs> the Anabaptists? Um, well, I mean... Yeah, that's that's a whole other episode. Uh, we'll have to not I mention one, he who bit. must not be named oh, right, 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 right. Um, when it comes to that Bald subject. Head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, so they were they were persecuted because well, for one, they were translating the scriptures. Right. They wanted yes. people to be able to read it in their own language. Right. Because they knew the power of the of the word of God was uh, was there to transform lives and mm-hmm. to save souls. Uh, so then, Pope Alexander the Third formed a commission to study. These, these groups of people, these Waldensians. Uh, Walter Mapp, an English churchman, headed up the commission. He said of the Waldensians, they have no settled home like the apostles. They follow the Lord who had no place to lay his head. But their simple faith and humble lives did not win the respect of the commission. They are ignorant and foolish men, Mapp said of them. Hmm. And so they were believed to be just too dumb, I guess. Hmm. They, they didn't like it. They were simple. They didn't fall into their... They weren't. They didn't have enough prestige. Right. right. But again, look at. I mean, the Lord did the same with the apostles. So, that's pretty cool. They still exist. They're still yeah. around. Yeah. In in some in some form or another, I can yeah. trace it all the way back to Peter Waldo, if that was his real name. <laughs> that's how they came up with "Where's Waldo." <laughs> that would be funny. Well, what else have we got? I think we did have a few people drop in and on on the Twitter space and listen in, so that was nice. Hopefully, yeah. they weren't bored to tears. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you get what you pay for. Yeah, you know? get off of Twitter and get on another platform. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. 
We have an episode coming up on Heroes and Heretics. Mm-hmm. And there was something else that we wanted to do. Interview. Yes. Episode. Yes. Um, for some of our worldwide listeners. Mm-hmm. That should be good and beneficial and helpful, right. hopefully even to us. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure what else. We shall see. We might have another, we, with that same guest, we might have a second topic. I'll have to think about it. Well, we'll have to think about it. Yeah. See if there's enough. Because it's a topic that I'm very interested in. I just want to make sure there's enough actual church history right. content in there. I, right. think there. I think there will be, uh, just depending on, on how we how we frame it and uh, outline what we're going to talk about. But yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so if you dropped in on the Twitter space, thank you for joining us. I'm going to click end on that now. Boom. Goodbye. And that was all good. So we, we may do that again in the future. Um, you know, if you listened in and it was, you liked it, then <laughs> tell us if, if, if it was didn't? just like, uh, no, I, I really prefer the podcast format to hearing you guys. Um, live, right? Then let us know that too. But it's yeah. just a, a little extra thing that we thought we'd try. But yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else. Uh, thanks for coming by, guys, and hope this has been helpful. Hopefully, you learned something, and um, we'll see you next time.